Paul sometimes gets a bad press, doesn't he? People say he's a kind of hardline character, lacking in sensitivity, full of anger maybe. It's a complete, complete untruth. He was a very perceptive and sensitive and compassionate person. But we're going to move to the next circle in because that background brings out wisdom and truth about contentment in life and how you find it. And by extension, simplicity in life and focusing on God. Now, there were many philosophers around in Paul's day who traded in talking about contentment in life. And they kind of talked about contentment and they taught it. And they had their own kind of school of teaching on contentment. And of course, it's the same today, isn't it? But what they had in mind in Paul's day and today was contentment through self-sufficiency. Find something in yourself, they would say, so that you can cope with what life throws at you. That's the great achievement. Find something in yourself. None of us knows, after all, what the future holds. But if you can develop a kind of self-made reliance and self-sufficiency, you'll be able to cope. And today, this, after all, this has spawned this massive industry, hasn't it, of kind of self-sufficiency, um, self-help TV programs, and a whole industry of books. You only have to go into any bookshop, and there's a huge area of self-help books that you come across. All those self-help makeover shows and self-help books, they've made some people very rich in our day and, day and age, and they urge you to find that inner strength and kind of hook it into this sense of who you are as a person as well. Paul has a completely different approach. Paul's approach is, you know, 180 degrees away from that. As far as the east is from the west, Paul's approach is different to that. Paul says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. I can do this through him who gives me strength. In other words... I'm strong enough for anything because, because of the one who gives me strength. I have strength for everything in the one who gives me power. And that one, that person, is Jesus. And Paul talks about this power within him in other places. It doesn't just crop up in this letter to the Philippians. And it enabled him to be astonishingly re resilient in the, in the face of rejection. I mean, the, the things that he faced were astonishing. You know, a fraction of those things would probably finish most of us off, or many of us. Rejection from the people who should have loved him, from his own, his own faith family. Curses, betrayal, beatings, lashings, imprisonment and hunger and cold. On many occasions, even shipwreck he had to endure and survive. The power within enabled him to work incredibly hard, and he was something of a, a human dynamo. He accomplished in, we think, probably 10 years of ministry what most of us would be glad to achieve in a lifetime. And Paul did this in about 10 years. But he always attributed any power and the inspiration to do that he achieved to Jesus. He always did that. So Paul's testimony, which 
resonates through history through the last couple of thousand years and reaches us today in Redland. Isn't that an amazing thought? That testimony is still, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I can do all this through Jesus. Paul is a very human Christian, and we see this coming through here. He's had to learn the hard way how to deal with troubles in life. It wasn't easy for him, and he's not being glib or superficial about the hardships he experienced. He's not sort of saying, oh, they were nothing. He knows that they were hard. They were really tough. They were real troubles. He's had to learn how to deal with the troubles. He's also had to learn how to deal with living in plenty as well. And the secret, and it's not a secret because he's telling us, is that the God he knew in Jesus enabled him to face everything with a strength that came from outside, from God. Not from, it wasn't self-help, it was from God. And this is a promise for all of us today. And this is why he's telling us in his letter. It's a promise for everybody if we're prepared to listen and learn the same lesson. But it's a hard lesson, isn't it? We know that it's a hard lesson because it's the opposite of self-reliance. Jesus' reliance means admitting that you're not strong in yourself. And when you've confessed your need, when you've got to that point of being able to confess that you need Jesus, you're not strong in yourself, it seems completely natural and obvious. It's a no-brainer when you've got there but getting to that point is quite a journey for most of us. And we all have to take that journey. I don't think there are any exceptions to having to take that journey and admitting that need of him and admitting that self-reliance won't cut it in the end. Everything in the world urges us to stand on our dignity. It's not very British to admit this, that this God gives us our true strength. It's even less cool to admit that we need Jesus, his son. We can say in some kind of nebulous way, oh, I rely on God. But saying that I rely on Jesus Christ, his son, is much harder. You're really putting yourself out there when you say that and admit it. Being able to say through personal experience that I can, that I can do all this, do all things through Jesus who gives me strength, that leads to the innermost of these concentric circles that I mentioned at the beginning. Because Paul is really pushing us when we get to the center of it. He's learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Whatever the circumstances, he's learned to be content. He's satisfied. He's not measuring sufficiency in abundance. He's not measuring sufficiency by abundance. Because it's so easy to think that the metric of God's blessing on us is in abundance. We only know we're blessed when we're showered by good things. It's so easy to be thinking that. We tend to want to measure God's blessing on us by how well life seems to be going, don't we? Nothing wrong with good things, of course. There's nothing wrong with those, and we thank God for them, and they are, they are blessings. But Paul is content, whatever the circumstances, Jesus is there, whatever the circumstances, 
And he then spells out that he, can be, that he can be content both in times of plenty and in need. And we just need to think about that, both of those things, because there are twin dangers in those things. In times of need, adversity and trials, they can stress us and cause real anxiety. And as I say, we don't play that down. But prosperity can puff us up and make us feel self-sufficient. He's learned to be free in both extremes. I know, he says, what it is to be in need. He's learned to bear it with patience, but he also knows what it means to have plenty. And he's learned to be content, content whether he's well-fed and has, when he's well-fed and has this abundance. And that, as I say, can be a real threat to our relationship with God. Now, John Calvin, probably don't get, get hear his name mentioned many, many times, actually, that French pastor and church reformer in the 1500s, he knew times of plenty, but he also knew times of need and exile and persecution. He had to go into exile for years from, from Geneva, which is where he was originally based. And he said that Paul's secret of living with plenty was all about being thankful for it, yes, but being moderate in everything, being generous with it, and even being prepared to part with it if it pleased the Lord. He said, this is an excellent and rare virtue and much greater than endurance of poverty. And he's saying that through a position of having endured poverty. That's the terrible danger of prosperity and plenty when it's ever present to us. It can eat us up. Remember that truth? That truth, a bit of a cliche, but it's a truth. Your possessions can possess you as you become fearful of losing what you have. Losing the prosperity that you feel you've earned, maybe. Prosperity you eventually feel you actually have a right to. And I think the challenge probably for most of us here this morning, living with plenty while being content and wanting more and more, that is the challenge for us, is living with that plenty and hold, hold, holding lightly to it and being generous and being moderate. And always remembering that basic truth that the most important thing to possess in the end is your friendship with Jesus. And it may be a cliche that you can't take your stuff with you, but that's true as well. And this is how we, in a, a rich part, let's face it, a rich part of a city in a rich nation, this is how we can learn the practice and learn to practice simplicity in our possessions. Because we have to see and try and make sure, make it our business to see that our possessions don't complicate or dominate our lives that they don't distract us from the one essential thing, and that is the thing which is forever, and that's our relationship with God and Jesus. Paul says, I can do all things in or through him who gives me strength. And that's the antidote 
to becoming proud and self-sufficient and seeking refuge in possessions. We need this strength. We need to admit that we do need strength. Of course we do, but the strength is in him. And there's a subtle warning implied in the all things as well. When Paul says, I can do all things. Because he's not saying, I can do anything. He's not saying, I can do anything that I fancy, anything I feel like, whatever I want. But he means that I can do all things within Jesus' calling on my life. That's another important thing to remember. He will enable you, he will give you strength, Jesus, to do the things that will make you a better disciple of his and that will enable you to be content both in times of need and in times of plenty. And these things won't have a hold on you when your true strength is in Jesus. They won't come to possess you. Okay, now we're going to pause. I've said enough about that. And we're just going to, we're going to think prayerfully about what that means for us. And let's just be silent for a bit. Perhaps David can put some of that, um, that gentle, gentle music on again. And maybe you can, again, hold out, a, hold out a hand or hold your hands out. Just Obviously, it doesn't mean anything in itself, but it's just a symbol that you are wanting to receive what God is offering and what Jesus is offering, which is this strength in him. And let's think about his words when he says, For I have learned to be content Whatever the circumstances, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And we pray that we would understand that now, Jesus, supernaturally through your spirit, that you would give us a, an understanding of that, a grasp of that in our hearts that we can't find on our own. through your wonderful spirit who uses the words, the inspired words of scripture to speak into our hearts. Help us to see the futility ultimately on relying on stuff, on possessions.
Help us to see the good things you give us as just being necessities, but not the things that define us. Help us to see the security that the world offers ultimately as a mirage because the true ground is in Jesus, our Savior. we're going to do now just for a few minutes is in those little maybe in those little groups where you were chatting a few minutes ago saying hello to each other just turn to those small groups again and just for a couple of minutes pray about what we've just been thinking maybe one of you can pray for the two or three of you it doesn't matter if this is something which you've never done before nothing to be afraid of just be silent and allow somebody else to pray. And it could be that your little group of two or three just prays in silence. But let's just do that for a couple of minutes now. Pray that we wouldn't be defined by our possessions, that we would know our strength to be in Jesus who has saved us.
And so, Jesus, we, we bring these prayers to you and we trust that you will answer these prayers. We entrust these prayers to you. Believing that you love us and that you are powerful. Amen. Somebody just shared something with me that uh, there was a great, there was a great kind of picture symbolically being enacted at the back of the church earlier where there's a dad here and his, and there, and his young girl was playing with him in a sort of delighted way um, here this morning and it just reminded, it reminded them of the, a picture of all of us, how we can relax with God and kind of, as it were, play with God and be completely at peace and completely trusting when we're in his presence and know that we are safe with him. So please just take that, take that with you, that reality as you go out of this place. We're coming towards the end of our, our gathering, but do, do stay for coffee afterwards and, and talk to people, and especially carry on talking to people you may not know. And we're going to, we're going to stand and worship through music again now in our, in our final song together. So to, do please stand as we sing.
Thank you very much for joining us this morning. Uh, let me just close with a short prayer and do, as Stephen said, stay for coffee and tea and chatting afterwards. But thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to meet together like this, and thank you for your encouragement by your spirit. And so, Lord, help us to take that joy of the Lord with us into the week ahead. And so may you all know his love and his blessing. Amen. Amen. Thank you. God bless. Thank you.